Welcome to the Slingshot Group podcast, where we tackle the leadership topics everyone is thinking about, but no one is talking about. And now, let's join our hosts for today's episode. Well, welcome everybody to the Slingshot Group podcast. My name is Keith Robinson, and I'm your host for today's episode. I know I speak for David and Vance when I say how pumped we are to be back for a third season. We're going to be covering some topics that are really fascinating that we know leaders in the church and nonprofit spaces are wondering about these days. We've also interviewed some amazing guests on our show along the way, and I can't wait for you to listen in on these conversations. And with that in mind, Vance and I recently sat down with two thought leaders to discuss a topic that we know is on everyone's mind. Today, we're talking about how churches can set themselves up to be more effective at sharing their unique story and really the gospel. In my role as the Senior Associate of Communications at Slingshot Group, I'm often asked by churches, how can we navigate communicating more effectively in the digital age? You know, making sense of social media, websites, and apps is something that churches didn't have to navigate even 15 years ago. But it has quickly become a priority for everyone, especially for those in senior leadership. And that's why I'm so eager for you to listen in on this conversation with these two amazing leaders who are making tremendous contributions to their organizations in these areas. Vance and I were joined by our good friend, Kathy Workman. Kathy serves as the communications pastor at Mariner's Church in Irvine, California, and leads an amazing team there. We're also joined by our good friend, Phil Bowdle, who is the creative arts pastor at Westridge in Atlanta. Phil is the author of the book, Rethink Communications, a playbook to clarify and communicate everything in your church. He also brings a huge heart and passion to serve as an associate at Slingshot Group to help churches take advantage of some of the greatest opportunities we've ever had in communicating the gospel. So without further delay, let's go ahead and jump right into this conversation. We have some awesome people around this digital table today. So guys, let's just jump in. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. Thank you for taking some time out to do this with us. Kind of the goal, I don't know a lot about this. So I'm kind of the newbie and I'm representing all the executive pastors, the lead pastors out there. And so my goal is to mine out as much genius as we can over the next 30 minutes. Yeah. And we'll only be scratching the surface of these two. It's not enough time. It's not enough time. There's just not enough time. Zero pressure on our end. We just tripled the time of the podcast. We'll just go until until we feel like we've got enough genius. So, okay. As, as somebody, you guys have given your life to this. This is your calling. This is your passion. As it relates to the church, what would you say if you could speak directly to the heart of an executive pastor to a lead pastor, an executive team to say, this is why communications matters in the church. What, what would you say to them? That's all of our genius coming out right there. <laughs> All done. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody. It's been great, great having you on the podcast. Kathy, why don't you go first? Yeah, obviously, that's a big question. I think communications is so key to the execution of the mission of any church. And, you know, here at Mariners, my relationship with our executive pastor has been so key because she has been an advocate for me to translate the culture of Mariners both within our staff and to our people to help them to understand where the church is heading, what God's calling us toward and how they can participate. So a lot of that is 
helping to refine strategy and vision and agreeing on language around it. And then also translating what can often be an internal language to what is relevant, applicable, and easily captures our people and speaks to their needs, how they take their best next step. So, you know, I see my role really as a translator of culture and helping to facilitate teams to agree on language and how to do that among themselves. Yeah. You guys, what you're doing internally affects how the church is expressed externally, right? Phil, what do you have to add, man? I think communication matters so much, not only for the executive pastor, the senior pastor, it matters because everything communicates. And um, Mm. our message is really, really important in the church uh, because we don't have a message problem in the church. We often have a message delivery problem, though. And um, the heart behind our message gets lost in how we communicate it too often. So I think what I'm passionate about is knowing that communication is actually something that we're doing that every church does every single week. The question is, are we doing it intentionally? Are we doing it with integrity to how important our message is? And are we equipping and resourcing our church and our teams and our our ministries to effectively communicate the greatest message we've ever had. So to me, it, communication is vital for yeah. everybody because I mean, what could be more important than passionately communicating the message that we believe could change everybody's lives. So it's not always the tactics, the metrics, all the, the tools and all that stuff is great, but at, at its heart, it's really how do we as the church take the greatest message ever and help put God on display in a way that, that he can change lives through the message we're communicating. I actually love how this conversation is starting out because I think there's something really important and intriguing and compelling about the fact that Phil and Kathy, both of you have been given a seat at the table. You sit in the room with executive leaders, with senior leaders, and that is so vital to the opportunity that we keep talking about that is in front of us because If you weren't in the room to have those conversations, if you weren't an empowered leader to execute the assignment, then it would be a totally different game for each of you. In fact, I think that this really is so foundational to this conversation because there's been a massive shift in the last several years. And so now that conversation has changed and I am so excited about that because both of your churches represent, to me, the future in that they've invited you in, they've actually empowered you, and to go even a step further, they've given you the assignment of pastor. So ultimately, what does it mean to pastor people in this space and on your teams? And Kathy, I'd like to start with you both as a woman in ministry, but also as someone who has been at Mariners for a while. And I know you've, like most of us uh, who've been at a local church for any amount of time, if we've been serving, we end up wearing a lot of hats. And I know that's your story too. So I'd love to hear, and I know our listeners would too, just your journey and how you came into that role and, and what that means for you. Absolutely. It's very true. I have a closet full of hats, all that came from Mariners, but in each position I've held here is has really equipped me for this role of communications pastor as I've learned more and more about who the church is and and how they function and what's, again, what's the culture that we're trying to translate. When I came into the role of communications pastor, it was really key to me 
we, we actually had been structured in with a director role at the time. And there wasn't access on the executive level for the role. Um, but what we kept finding was that in terms, in terms of the elevation of the role to, you know, a pastor level, I think that's, that's one thing just positionally to talk about having access for the communications role to play at a strategic level. We, we just kept finding that we were having to solve strategic problems at the communication level. So where strategy was unclear, maybe in the planning stages that that wasn't really revealed until you try to put what you're trying to do on a flyer. And all of a sudden we have a a strategy problem and we're realizing where is it that we're trying to drive people, but without having access in a communications role to raise those issues, we weren't really able to clearly communicate. And so I, I feel so grateful that our leadership team saw the value in elevating the role to the pastor level. And and my peers are just the most incredible people and we get to collaborate. So now as they're planning and they're casting vision for how to drive people to groups and how to give them access to serve opportunities and how to promote the weekends, we get to collaborate and dream together of not only what that looks like, but how are we going to frame it for people and make their message compelling. But on really the role of pastor, what's been so beautiful and such a privilege for me to serve as a communications pastor is I think it adds a level of weight to to what Phil spoke to, that the message that we're delivering is so much more about the event name and date and title. Everything we're communicating is the gospel and it's access to the gospel as a pathway to discipleship. And so for me, even just the reminder of carrying that role of pastor has been so grounding to not get caught up in our all the different channels we have access to and, and not thinking about it as marketing, but really thinking about it as discipleship and evangelism. And it really has been such an honor to serve in this role. And I'm not going anywhere. I guess I said has been, which makes it sound like I'm reflecting, which is not the case. But I I just am continually humbled that I get to serve in this role among these people and that Mariners has seen it as a value to elevate this role, to play at that level and seen how important it is that communications is collaborating with all of the other strategic areas of our staff. Yes, Kathy, I love that, especially your statement that this role, this world of church communications is really about discipleship and so foundational to the understanding of how this role will contribute to helping you to realize your mission. Uh, Phil, what have you found? I think, I mean, I'm, I'm honored to serve on a great team that gets it on this level. I, I remember back, I mean, our senior pastor added me to the leadership team with, I think when I was 27, 28 years old, which is I'm thinking back like, wow, that was a, that was a big move, you know, for him, that level of trust and probably scared him a little bit too. So hopefully I haven't, haven't screwed it up too bad, but I think at that time, what we were finding is just like Kathy was saying, everything everything at its root, a lot of the problems we were trying to solve were connected to communications and how we were going to communicate it and the way we were going to communicate it. So it was just so central for that to be a part of the big conversation, not the afterthought after everything was already decided. But I think at the pastoral root level, I mean, for me, I oversee our services, our worship production, video and communications. So there's a wide scope to that. But I, when I think 
probably what burdens me the most in a lot of ways is when I think about the Great Commission, when I think about when Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation, he didn't say only in the four walls of your church. He didn't say just when you're running your Sunday services. So when we think about the call that God's given us, I think we have to have a pastoral, entrepreneurial drive to reach people where they are. And when I think, especially in the area of communications, when I know that the average person isn't coming every week, they're coming once every seven, once every year, they're probably coming seven to eight times a year in person. Those same people are on social media statistically about 116 minutes a day. So if we have a missional pastoral heart and passion to say, I need to reach people where they are, I need to go and proclaim the gospel to all of creation, especially to our community and reach them where they are then goodness, we need pastors, we need leaders with a missional heart in the lane of communication and the lane of every, every ministry to say, I need to go after them where they are. Just today in our prayer meeting, one of the values of our church is, is the value of prayer. We want, we want to be a house of prayer. And so today we got to, I got to lead our staff through saying, hey, we just posted a how can we pray for you post on Facebook and Instagram. And we have this on our website as well. And we just got about 100 plus people that are counting on us to pray for them. Let's go do it. Let's go do it. And so inside the walls of our church, we got to reach out to people all over our community that are saying, we need you, church. We need, we need your support. And we got to pastor them in that moment. So if we don't have a pastoral thought around how we think about communications, we are missing some of the greatest opportunities we've ever had at communicating the gospel. But it, it's not going to take a service department mentality that's going to bring out the best of those greatest opportunities. We can't think of it like a service department or a factory. It's actually a ministry. It's a pastoral ministry of, of taking these tools that we have and leveraging them for the gospel. Yeah, man, that's so important. And what you were just talking about really goes so well with a statement that Kathy made that I think bears repeating when she said her team was solving strategic issues at the communications level. Because I I imagine how that happened, and I think you even talked about it, you know, that, that ministry leaders will come to you and they'll want a flyer or a social post or an email or, or whatever that thing is that they want to promote. But all of a sudden, they start coming to you with these requests And as you're vetting them, you start to realize, oh, wow, we have some alignment issues that are surfacing here. Not all of this strategically fits together. And so, as you said, Kathy, solving strategic issues at the communications level, that only can happen when a leader is actually empowered to step into the room to ask the kind of questions that you've been empowered to ask And I think that's the real genius behind the organizations like Mariners, like Westridge, that have invited you, an empowered leader, into the room. And I think that is so vital because it will determine how you as a leader with this calling and with these gifts show up every day. Yeah, for for us, and, and I will say sometimes it's about solving a strategic problem and sometimes it's just about illuminating it. So, you know, I think in communications, it's a really broad landscape to see where our ministries are operating in silos, where one ministry isn't aware of the priorities of another and where the things that they're doing could easily work to build momentum on top of each other, but instead are competing with one another. So for us, we, we actually, our communications team holds our ministry roadmap now. And so all ministries are 
are building their event calendars and their strategic initiatives alongside the communications team, which has been great. And we've just been able to ask the questions of our leadership team, of our ministry leads. What are your goals? How can these goals play alongside one another's goals? Are we all working toward the bigger vision and mission of Mariners? And it's beautiful. And then on top of that, to Phil's point, we're not limited because we have access to all these incredible tools and channels. We're not limited to just being a promotional ministry. We're not just a marketing team. We're looking for other ways that we can support the broader mission to Phil's point, like being a channel that can serve to receive prayer requests, finding opportunities to create content that is supplemental to these events or supplemental to our weekend services and email devotionals and uh, social media posts, just ways to engage people outside of our church ministries and events, but going where they are and and delivering content to them yeah. in a way that hopefully serves serves each individual, but also serves the greater mission at Mariners. The thing that I love most about that is the way that you're working alongside ministry leaders to help them to figure out how what they're doing is tied in to that collective vision. And it's carrying that message through every activity that's happening. I mean, Phil, you were saying just a few minutes ago how at Westridge, you just launched this social media campaign to pray for your community. And I mean, I got to applaud you, but you really did put the social back in social media, man. So way to go. And I think that the church has a really unique and amazing opportunity to leverage these channels for good and to help prioritize what we're really all about and what we really should be all about. And I know, Phil, that's so near and dear to your heart. So take just a moment and speak about how your role helps to prioritize what gets emphasized. I think one of the most important things you can do in leading communications is advocate for the person you're trying to reach. Advocate for that person that's in the seat that is the neighbor that you're trying to invite to church for the first time and what's going to happen when they get there. One of the more strategic things we had to adjust when I stepped into our communications area and started reworking that is I started keeping track of how many messages we were communicating every Sunday. And it was scary because it was like seven or eight or nine messages, all separate, all going their own stream. And it was overwhelming for me. And I'm thinking, okay, if I'm walking away every Sunday overwhelmed by what I'm hearing, think about the person that's coming once every couple of weeks. That's not our heart. That's not what we want to do. So by having a pastoral and an authority in our leadership in, in this area, I was able to help lead through a change of just saying, hey, we know the bandwidth, not only of the people we're trying to reach, but also our church. The bandwidth we have to effectively communicate is about one to two things each week. If we can put our heart and our passion behind these one to two key messages that we want everybody to know inside the walls of our church and outside, then that might give us the bandwidth to actually effectively communicate those things. And it might be just simple enough that people could actually walk away from a Sunday and take a next step in those one to two things. So that for us has meant some practical things like I've I have a Google Doc a spreadsheet for every week of the year. We're, ma we're mapping out those one to two things. We're figuring out how we're using our channels. But the most important work is happening behind the scenes when we're talking as ministries to say, to make sure that we're not acting like a bunch of silos, that we're acting as one church with one message, trying to make sure that all these things fit together. So we're not putting 
all the burden and all the work that we should be doing on the audience that we're trying to reach. We don't make them do all the work. We should be doing the work behind the scenes to make it simple so that people can take a next step towards Jesus and, and engage in our church. But that doesn't happen without empowering this team and setting them up for success to say, we need you and we need to equip you with good foundational boundaries and guardrails to use so that not only we're protecting the bandwidth and health of our our staff and our church, but for the sake of the person we're trying to reach, we have to think simple and we got to set up our ministries to be able to do that effectively. And sometimes that means saying no. Sometimes it means that we can't communicate everything and we got to find ways to do it in different ways. Well, I was just going to say, you know, from from my perspective, because I don't, I've never done a deep dive into this world. And I think there's probably a lot of executive pastors, senior leaders out there that when they think of communications, they do think of marketing. Their, their first thought is, how are we projecting that voice? And it becomes all these competing messages that take up the bandwidth. And so what I'm hearing today and what I'm learning and what it's awesome to hear from you guys, the communications is more about the internal message and alignment than it is really about the message. That's the center that we communicate from. And so if that's the case, how do we get a group of people? I mean, we've all been around senior leaders. We've all been around pastors. There's a new great idea every week. And it is awesome. And this is what God is calling us to. How do you how do you take and lead strategically in an environment that many, many times lends itself to all the amazing things that we can do? You know, Phil, you said say no, but a lot, a lot of times there's people that don't have the authority to say no. And how do we even introduce into a culture of we can't say yes to everything? How do you get to that point where we have a streamline? This is our this is our vision, our mission, our values. Everything comes out of this. This is the lens in which we see and communicate things. How does a church, even if they, you know, they don't have a communications director, or maybe they do, but they're not sure. It seems like that's the core. Guys, tell me what are some ways for me as a newbie to this? How do I get my church to find that core? message that is who we are and who God's called us to be. Go for it, Phil. (laughs) Yeah, I I think sometimes you don't have the opportunity to say no, but what I think a healthy team should be able to say is here's what's at stake. And sometimes the conversations I have are are not, I, I don't have the authority to say, hey, no, you can't do this event. But here's what I can say is based off the bandwidth that we have to communicate in our services, we're not able to communicate that from stage. So here's what that would look like, maybe to a ministry leader to say, hey, we're going to have to find some other ways to communicate that. We're not saying no, we're just saying if you're depending on your communication to come from stage or from our pastor or whatever, that won't happen on this date. But here's how we can help. But sometimes with a senior pastor, What's great that we have in a lot of our tools is we do have some metrics. We do have some ways to know what's translating, what's not, how many clicks things are getting. And so sometimes you have you do have the ability just to say, hey, when we've communicated this many things, it's not worked. So 
with an open hand, what would you, is there something here that we're communicating that we should not communicate or hit pause on or something like that so that we can prioritize what you have? Because I think it, it's, you shouldn't be guard dogs um, as a communications team. You should be guardrails. You should be something that is helping your church have good standards and good values that allow you to communicate effectively. And there's tension in that. Sometimes you have to say yes and just do the best you can and have a good strategy with it in support of your pastor. And sometimes you need to be able to say, hey, is there a better way that we can do this? Or here's an alternative. Are you okay with that? Or what would that look like? So I think it's open-handed conversation to make sure that your why is why you're doing this. It's yeah. not just so that you can be a guardrail to say, hey, I said only one to two things or whatever. You got to do this relationally and with the same mission. So good. Well, it seems like the more clarity that you can have on your mission, vision, values of the why, then that's the platform then that we can put everything through the lens and we can say, yes, as you, this doesn't, this isn't part of our overall mission, vision, values, strategy. And then it becomes a way that we can say no, and also a lens in which we can say yes to. I definitely think that's part of it. What's so beautiful about the work of the church is that it is, I mean, it's so singular in focus, help people to know Jesus and surrender their lives to him. And it's also so broad because a life with Christ is so full and abundant and involves serving and generosity and community and, you know, all of these amazing things. And so at least what we've found here is that we always joke because, you know, our senior pastor, Eric Geiger wrote the book, Simple Church, and yet any week you can find hundreds of opportunities to engage here. And I can make an argument for every one of our offerings fitting into the simple church model. So part of my role and how I see my role, even as a pastor to our staff is reminding people that we're not only trying to cut through the noise of our own offerings, but we're cutting through the noise of everything our people are experiencing outside of the church. You know, they're, they're being bombarded with messages constantly. So obviously our mission, vision, values, that's like the, you know, top of the funnel filter, I'd say, for what we're promoting and what we're giving attention to. But we're also really encouraging each of our ministry leaders to be very specific about who is this for, and then identifying the best platform to communicate it. So, you know, we have a value and of course, you know, all values within something like communications get broken from time to time, but our like overarching value is, does this apply to 80% of the room? Can 80% of the room relate to this message? Now, obviously there's, we might have a men's event that we promote, but we're going to talk about it, not just to men, but we're going to talk to women too, who are the men in your life that could benefit from this event. And then we also are really driving the question of what's next to all of our ministries. So within communications, we're trying to help our ministry leaders look at all of their events as a part of their ministry funnel. So the success metric for us is not how many people came to this men's event, but it's how many men were plugged into groups as a result of coming to this event. So that's a way that we're tying all of our communications back up to our larger mission, vision, values, and then really running all of those answers through a filter to say, okay, if our biggest effort here is to get a large group of congregants at an event and then to drive those congregants into groups, I mean, that's going to get more attention than a one-off event that ends with that. 
And so it, it is, it's always nuanced. And to Phil's point, every conversation has to be so open-handed because there are priorities that shift and there are things that take precedent at, in different seasons and at different times. But that kind of language and the, the who language, the why language is just seeded through all of our conversations, even if the answer is yes. So even if we know, there's no question on the table about whether we're going to promote this, the questions of who are we talking to, what's the next step, all of that is seeded into our conversation so that that kind of mentality is, you know, our staff is really coming to adopt it and they know it and they're actually coming prepared and answering those questions on their own without the facilitation of our comm staff, which has been amazing. Yeah. And what's so great about all of this is you're actually able to build momentum behind the initiatives that you are launching. It's amazing to me that it's like all of a sudden everyone's surprised that Easter happens every year, <laughs> you know, that Christmas comes in December. And yet we're behind the eight ball. And so it feels like, Kathy, what you're talking about is such a cultural shift that you've been able to help to implement and to seed into the very DNA of the staff to ask the questions, why, who, and not just the when and the what and the where. And as that continues to be a part of culture, you're going to be more strategically aligned. And I think there's something that's really incredible that, Phil, you talk about a lot that I don't, I don't want to leave this part out because I think that there's a philosophical shift that started to happen as it relates to church comm. And you've used this phrase before, and I absolutely love it, digital missionary. And this idea that there are people out there who have been called to this mission field of the digital space, and they have gone to school, they have invested in learning the tools of the trade to be able to use them effectively. And so one of the most fascinating things that I get to do is I get to work with a lot of these digital missionaries as they're praying about and navigating a season of change in their life and where they're headed next. And so what's so cool is just getting to see this emergence, though, of digital natives who are responding to God's call to step into a role in the church and to leverage this for the gospel. Phil, talk about that, how you're seeing it. And also, you shared some pretty fascinating stats on the reach of digital missionaries this day by sharing an anecdote from someone on your team and how the scope of the reach of digital missionaries is so vast. Will you tell that story and unpack that and paint a picture of what's at stake here and what we're able to do because of this? So our pastor gets to prepare a message for church. We run between four and 5,000 people. And it's awesome. Uh, I love that. What struck me is that for the role of our communications team and thinking even just isolated down to our 21-year-old social media manager who's pouring out all the digital missionary in her that she can to help reach people where they are, she gets to speak to, like, it's likely on a typical week, we're reaching 200,000 people just on Facebook. And so when you think about that compared to, it, both matter, both are really important, but the reality is our 21-year-old is preaching to more people than our senior pastor every week. And so when you think about that, I think the opportunity for us to rethink our strategy of communication is not just an extension of our message, but sometimes the delivery of mm. the message in a way that we can actually think like missionaries and think of a way to say, it. Yeah. maybe we create a little bit less just for Sunday and create more for where people 
are during the week. That has us rethinking a lot of stuff. I mean, we, we think social first and a lot of the things we create before we think service first, because more people are going to see the stories that we share on social media than they are in our services. Now, both matter. But I just think there's people in churches all over the country that are getting pushed down as they feel like they're just in a service department factory, when in reality, they are some of your best missionaries that have yet to be unleashed because they have the tools, they have the passion, they have the heart, the resources to be able to reach more people than you're currently reaching. They just need to be unleashed and do that. It doesn't make Sunday any less important to unleash the people to be a megaphone behind that message that you're sharing on in your services to do something really powerful with it. So I get excited when I get to talk to young leaders that are just so passionate about the gospel, but don't think that there's a place for them in the church to actually use those gifts and passions and talents that they have. When in reality, we need churches all over the place to say, we see that value, we see that talent, and we need to unleash that in the church and see what God's going to do through it. I feel unleashed right now. Like I'm going to go, I want to go post something on Instagram right now. Yeah, you can go on Westridge's page and get prayer right now. (laughs) Guys, this was awesome. I feel like I've been taken to school, learned a lot, even just in this short conversation. And obviously... You guys are very gifted at what you do. Thank you for spending some time just to share just a small piece of your passion and your heart for the local church. I know that this is going to be helpful for a lot of leaders out there. We're going to put some connection stuff in the show notes. And so if you want some more information, please check that out. Kathy, thank you for joining us. Phil, thank you for your time. Keith, it's always a blast, man, when I get to talk with you. Everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Slingshot Group Podcast. We'll see you next time. Well, I wanted to take just a moment and invite everyone to an upcoming event that we are hosting in the Dallas, Texas area on Tuesday, March the 3rd. We're putting together our third Slingshot Group Communications Lab. This amazing one-day event is designed to help you to end the chaotic cycle of communication that happens in your church and your nonprofit every single week. Recently, we invited Kathy Workman to our episode that you just listened to. But in addition to that, Kathy came with her team to one of our recent communications labs. And Kathy, why don't you take just a moment and tell everyone about your experience and what they can expect at the communications lab. The lab, it was an amazing event. First of all, we brought our whole team and everyone from our interns to the directors who serve on our team and specifically me, the lab was, it was a time of incredible encouragement and connection with other people who are working in the same field, shooting for the same goals and often encountering the same problems in the church communication space. First of all, you recognize that you're not alone in feeling overwhelmed, but what was so great about it was just the way the whole day was facilitated. There were so many practical and tactical takeaways and implemented them into our systems here at Mariners right away. Everyone on our team left feeling so encouraged and empowered to do the job that's been put in front of us. Awesome. Well, Kathy, it was so amazing to have you and your team join us. And if you're in the Dallas area, we would love to have you be a part of this event. You can go online to slingshotgroup.org and go to our events page click on the tab that says communications lab and there you'll find all the information related to the registration and what you can expect from the day it's going to be an amazing event we would love to see you there thanks so much for joining us today
Well, hey, everyone, we've come to that part in our episode where we take a few minutes and we share stories from the front lines of ministry. And today I'm so excited to introduce and to have on the episode my good friend, the one and only Dave Miller. Dave, it's so great to have you today. I don't know if I'm the one and only. Uh, there's at least two of us at Slingshot. So well, I know. That this was... would be not the cool hip Dave Miller. David, not David A. Not David Wise A. Wise veteran Dave is what I like to go by. Yeah. Not old. Uh, but yeah, Dave, it's great to have you. Um, for those of you that may not know, Dave is, of course, a part of our Slingshot team here. But uh, in addition to coaching and staffing with us, Dave, talk a little bit about what you do. What do I do? Well, most of my... My good hours, of course, are spent on slingshot and then what gets the leftovers. I do a fair amount of consulting and running around the country. It's all about the church, though, and mm. has been for 14 years in one way or another. And uh, the slingshot thing is so cool because I feel like, you know, we're at the, we're at the epicenter of helping, helping the leaders. And man, I, I always just go back to what I heard at Willow Creek in probably 1992, that church is the hope of the world, but it will never it'll never achieve what it needs unless it's led well. And uh, so this whole idea of remarkable, what it means to build a remarkable team at Slingshot hits right in the center of that target. So Yeah, so awesome. And Dave, you're helping so many churches. Thanks. And we're going to have you on in just a few short weeks, actually. Um, Look for that later in the season, where we're going to be talking about what you're doing to help churches through your organization that you helped start called Leadership Pathway. And so more on that to come. But for today's episode, we want to take a few minutes and say, Dave, I'm sure you've got plenty of source material of some of the crazy stuff that's happened to you along the way in ministry. We'd love to hear your best story. My best story, it, when I think about a great story, I don't think about what happened to me. I think about the dumb things that I did, most of it, a lot of it not suitable, you know, for a, a totally. podcast of such renown like the one that you're- Totally. We, uh, we say the names have been changed to protect the innocent. <laughs> I ain't changing any names. I'm letting you have it. Uh, so it was 19, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth. This was mm. the late 90s, and mm-hmm. I was at an amazing church. I'd hired all my best friends to move out there to mm-hmm. Vegas to work with me, and- I know most people listening to this can't remember a day when there wasn't Ableton and loops. You just downloaded and click tracks and all of these amazing tools that worship leaders have. But back in the day to have a click track running uh, was a lot of work in your band. And, uh, and then on top of that, to create any sort of backing track to play along was a lot of, it was not easy. There, we just did not have the tools that we have today. So right. We were uh, trucking towards Christmas, you know, this multi-service extravaganza like we all used to do mm-hmm. back in the day. And uh, so we had this kids choir that we didn't have a kids choir. We made up a kids choir for Christmas. And so we had going to have 100 kids running down the aisle singing and doing what kids do. And so we thought, well, let's let's record them and, and have it playing along with the live players and singers. And, and that way you can hear them. Because yeah. we, we knew we were going to have this miking issue, and we did not have good, we did not have good gear, and I certainly was not talented. So it was a lot of work for the interns and things. Uh, <laughs> so we recorded that. Well, then, well, then we said, well, since we've got the kids' choir, we've got an adult choir also. And as I like to say, I've only killed choirs. I mean, people who are, you know, the hipsters were starting this again, right? In churches, yeah. and so cool, gang vocals. No, this was not a cool choir. This mm. was. Um, this was a choir that was well past its prime, mm-hmm. and I was um, accused more than once of just trying to kill this choir, but we were going to have them in for Christmas, and so I'm like, well, let's put them on the track. Yeah. And that way, you know, we'll double the vote, and it'll really sound great. We had it makes sense. 
Oh, no, it was a great idea. Yeah. We'd written this original music. I was so proud of it. We'd worked so hard. And so we got the, the adults in and we recorded them and we go into rehearsals and it's just, it's just great. Well, as we were setting up for Christmas, I remember that I think it was the drummer brought extra gear, some percussion and things. And, and then we had the tracks. And of course, me being the amazing organized leader, you know, the input list was written on a napkin or something. Right. And we didn't have enough channels. Man. in whatever amazing piece front of house you know where this is going so i'd be just i'm in a, in a moment in as i'm if, if this is in a movie i mean i don't think 10 seconds about this mm-hmm. and i say well just don't plug the choir mics in we're on the track they'll be up here singing no problem and so we did i never thought another thing about it two nights of rehearsal we go into like the 23rd or 20 whatever it was, we were doing four or five of these in a row oh yeah and i'm in the booth and it's great, man. I mean, this really was one of those. In my mind, it looks like the Grammys. I'm glad there was no social media. I'm sure it sucked. But anyway. Oh, man. Well, not until I want to say like the 28th of December did I hear the story that the choir found out that their mics weren't plugged. I left the mics up there, by the way. Oh, yeah. On the stands for the 25 voices over in the corner. Yep. And someone pulled the cable, I guess. And they're like, our mics aren't even plugged in. Oh, man. And I guess it caused a revolt with you. You think? <laughs> and then someone. <laughs> That's a way says, to split a church, bro. Someone, yeah, luckily. Boy, and someone says to me, like on the 29th, it's like, well, didn't you notice that the choir was getting smaller? And by the final performance, there were only six people up there. <laughs> and I'm like, nah, man, I wasn't even looking at these. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't plug their mic in. How was I even paying attention to them? So to this day, there's a, some of my friends, a couple are, you know, consultants like us running around the country doing these amazing things. A couple are still in ministry. They were young worship leaders and young tech people back in the day. Now we're the same age, but back then they were like 22. I was 27. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they remind me of this choir killing often when you, I did not plug the mics in. And so I, took a, I took a beating for that for months. I can only imagine. The, the surefire way to do it, though, to get your choir from 25 to 6 is to not plug, plug the their mics, mics in. in during the Christmas season. Again, in this culture today, it'd be like, well, who cares? It's all retract anyway. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, people are talented today. Back then, we weren't talented, and we didn't have gear, and that would have been like probably Millie. This was probably before Millie Vanilli. Okay. Remember that yeah. band? You're too young for that. No, no. I remember Millie Vanilli, and I remember the whole and it was the whole sham, the whole sham that was. And so today, we don't even we just assume they're not singing. Yeah. It sounds good. Yeah, exactly. We and if assume. someone actually does, we're just blown away. But back then? Especially the church, man. We were far from cool. Far from it. Far from cool. So that's borderline heretic. Yeah. Borderline almost. <laughs> yeah. Dave, that's awesome, man. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. I'm sure you've got others. We look forward to having you back soon. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Slingshot Group podcast. We invite you to continue the conversation with us on social media. You can find Slingshot Group on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, be sure to visit us at slingshotgroup.org to find out more about how we build remarkable teams through staffing and coaching. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Slingshot Group podcast so you'll never miss a show. Until next time.